Today's scripture is John chapter 11, verses 25 through 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Thank you, Liz. What would it take for you to change absolutely everything about your life? Good morning and happy Easter. My name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson. And as has been said this morning, we are so glad that you are here. We're glad to gather together in this space to acknowledge all of us, I would say, in this room, no matter where we're coming from, what we believe, what we think, this day is significant in some way, right? It's one of maybe two days a year. I wear a tie, uh, and maybe some of you are in the same, same boat, but it's a, it's a significant day. And again, we're, we're very glad that you're here. I, I do want to let you know if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, I have a st- Utter, and it'll kind of come in and out as I preach. And so I always want to make sure people know what that is so you can focus on the right thing on the Bible and not trying to figure out if my mic's messed up or, you know, something along those lines. So uh, again, we're glad you're here. As uh, Pastor Marcus said, we will have a time with some pastries and some coffee between the two services this morning. We'd love for you to stay and we'd love to get to know you uh, more. So please do stay and spend some time together. Again, as we, as we look at the Bible this morning, we're going to walk through a series of passages, and, and I want to, again, put the question before all of us. What would it take for you to change absolutely everything about your life? I believe that, that God, this morning, God himself is inviting us, is speaking to every one of us and inviting us to consider our lives, to take a, a hard look at our lives and then in turn to have them shaped by who he is and what he has done. These events we've sung about, these events we're talking about, what would it look like for your life to be changed, to be shaped so with that, we're going to walk through, as I said, a number of passages this morning, looking at one man's life in particular that was radically changed. So with that, look along with me. We'll have the scriptures up here on the screen, and, and, and uh, we'll, we'll walk through these. We're in John, primarily the gospel according to John, one of Jesus's followers, uh, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, wrote these different accounts. And John writes a series of events for us to consider this morning. In John chapter 13, Peter said to him, so he's speaking to Jesus, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. 
So what happened right before this is Jesus is having the Last Supper meal, as we call it, he, he, the, or the Lord's Supper. I'm gonna say this is off the cuff right now. Did anyone watch SNL last night, Saturday Night Live? If so, okay, you did. I need to watch it. I just, as I was scrolling through the news this morning, I heard SNL did a spoof on the Last Supper. Thank you for being honest, MJ, and for, uh, for bringing us into that. I assume it was good. You were excited about it, so I assume it was good. So anyway, right, there are all kinds of pictures about it. I don't think they were all on one side of the table, like the, the most famous painting of it. But during that supper, Jesus was ha- having actually the P- Passover supper with a Jewish tradition with his followers. And during that time, they were arguing over who would be closest to Jesus, who would be his right hand man, who would be his hide or die and, uh, and, and they're, they're arguing and bickering. And Jesus walks through a series of, of events. He washes their feet. He serves them this meal. And he tells them, he says, one of you is going to deny me. And then Peter, as is often the case, stands up just boldly and confidently and says, not me, never. And he sounds pretty committed, right? Here he sounds pretty devoted. Not just will he say, I won't deny you, but I will I will die for you. And Jesus says, oh, okay, actually, you're going to deny me uh, in just a few hours before the rooster crows three times. But sit in that moment. I think Peter is devoted. He means what he's saying there. So pick up with me, continue now in, in chapter 18, verses 10 through 11. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it back and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword in its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the father has given me? Let's just be honest here. Maybe Jesus got it wrong, right? I don't know about you, but taking out a sword and chopping off someone's ear, which he was probably aiming for his neck, but missed or, you know, whatever went for the ear. He got the ear. And, uh, and, and so he seems pretty devoted, right? Pretty committed. Someone who says, I will lay down my life for you. Like, I, again, Peter meant what he was saying. Well, before this event, what happened is Jesus took his followers to a g- garden And then Jesus said, stay awake and look out, and I'm going to go off and pray. And then as he went and prayed to the Father, his followers, even devoted, you know, fervent, bold Peter, fell asleep. And And Jesus went back and interacted with them multiple times. And then these people finally came, right? What Jesus had predicted, they came to to arrest Jesus and to take him in. And then as they came up, again, what we just read, Peter, bold, stands up, boom, not, you know, over my dead body. And Jesus puts, says no. And then even, I just want to even point out here, the author, John, as I mentioned, put specifically in there, puts the man's name whose ear was cut off. This is part of my, my goal this morning is not to walk through what's called apologetics to kind of give a defense or a great argument. I believe God is speaking to our hearts this morning. So I'm not here to just prove. I don't think I can do that. 
try to prove anything to any of us from an academic kind of historical level. However, hopefully it informs the truth here that in one of many places, again, the author mentions this person's name. It's as though when he writes this and you're like, oh, I don't know, maybe Jesus was just a good, a good guy. He's just kind of a, a prophet, a good example to follow. Well, that's nowhere in the Bible do we get that, that, that option. And specifically, these events, again, this is one of many places. Like, if you have more questions, go ask the guy. His name is Malchus. I think he'll tell you his ear was cut off. And then Jesus healed it and put it back on. So Jesus offers himself up. He is arrested. He's, his hands are bound. He's led astray. He's led into the temple court. He's beaten and flogged. And then now fast forward with me. Again, just a couple hours later, we continue to look at Peter, who seemingly is suddenly second-guessing everything. In spite of his bold declarations, look here in chapter, uh, chapter 18. Now, Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you also, are you not one of his disciples? Are you? He denied it and said, I am not one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. His true colors eventually showed, right? He proved Jesus right. Again, circle back to that question I asked you and me. What would it take for you to change everything about your life? Bold declaration, New Year's resolution, big plans. I'm going to do this. This is going to be the last time. I won't walk you through my whole story, but multiple times in high school specifically, but college since even now, probably this week. God, I'll do this. I'll show you. I'm going to, I believe hard enough. I'm going to try hard enough. I'll I'll show you. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and change. It never fails to fail. And we see that in Peter. He meant what he said. I'll lay down my life for you. He proved it probably more than most of us. He took out a sword and tried to cut someone's head off. But then just hours later, when his circumstances changed, when it got a little more difficult, he started to question, wait, I thought Jesus was my king, my rabbi, my teacher. I thought he was gonna, I had a vision for what it meant to follow Jesus and it's not going the way I thought it would. Ease and prosperity isn't happening. In fact, he just got taken and he, now he's getting beaten and Oh, well, maybe that's going to happen to me. Maybe my life's going to get harder. And he does deny him three times. Sure enough, Jesus, in the next day, is again beaten, stripped naked, flogged. His beard is ripped out. He's mocked. He ultimately carries his own cross until the point of exhaustion that he falls down and someone else is forced to carry it the last few steps. And then Jesus 
hangs on a cross, which at the time, by the way, is, you know, some of us have it as necklaces. It's nice here. It looks beautiful, by the way. Thank you, Stacy and the whole team who put all these things together. It's beautiful. But, but the cross would actually be, would be ugly. Children weren't even allowed to, to draw it. It was like a naughty thing. You were being kind of rebellious if you drew a cross as a kid, if you etched it into a stone or something. It was, it was ugly and gross, and yet Jesus died on it. But before he died, he hung there, and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Peter didn't know what he's doing. He try, he's trying his best. He made his bold declarations. He's trying to change his life. They're all trying to change their lives. Some of them even think they're doing right. Some of them think they're honoring God. They don't know what they're doing. And then Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Perhaps the worst part of all, all the shame, the pain, the suffering, he experienced separation from his father. And then he said he was doing it for you and for me. And then he cried out, it is finished. And that doesn't just mean his suffering on the cross is finished. He means all the power of sin, all the brokenness, the relational brokenness, the, the world global brokenness, the internal personal brokenness that we all experience in different levels. Jesus said, it is finished. And then he finally said, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he bowed his head and he died. Now fast forward with me about a month and a half. And look with me, I'll have it up here, just listen in Acts chapter two. But Peter, who? Peter standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed them, thousands of people in the middle of Jerusalem at the temple where he had just denied Jesus and just saw Jesus crucified and killed. Peter stands up and boldly declares, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. Maybe some irony, right? Ear, he knows something about ears. He cut off an ear. Just notice that. Verse 15. These people are not drunk because they were being accused. They were, all these people standing up and were shouting, we're, we're, we're worshiping like us this morning. By the way, Christina, thank you for just clapping and proclaiming in the middle of a song when, when the victory of Jesus risen from the dead hits. That's an appropriate response. These people were appropriately responding, and everyone's like, they must be drunk. And then Peter stands up and is like, they're not drunk. It's, you know, not yet. No, just kidding. He's, he's like, it's early in the day, though that is what he says. he says. He says, as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day. What happened to Peter denying Jesus? And it's not just Peter. All of Jesus' followers before this event, we're like huddled, afraid in a, in a room together, we're told. After they saw Jesus crucified and then carried off and taken down from the cross and put in a tomb and buried, they were afraid. They were cowering together. 
hiding out. But now they're standing out boldly proclaiming what they have seen and experienced. He goes on in verse 22, and this is what Peter says. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Going to the cross was God's plan all along. You crucified and killed him by the hands of lawless men. Verse 24, but God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. In verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. About 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus, put their trust in Jesus through this one man, Peter's bold declaration, his personal witness of what he saw of what he experienced. Fast forward again about 30 years and Peter himself would die on a cross in Rome. And yet he would do it boldly and powerfully and confidently. Not like his declaration in the room when he told Jesus he would die for him, but empowered by something else. And not just Peter, almost all except one of Jesus's closest followers, his disciples, the apostles, would die brutal deaths, martyrs' deaths, beheaded, sawn in two, drawn and quartered, all kinds of stuff. Again, my goal isn't to give some kind of academic argument, but just that, like maybe one person would believe a lie and kind of try to trick the world, but that many? Don't you think at some point the pain would, I don't know that I'd take a paper cut, you know, to defend a, a, a lie. All of Jesus's followers died these brutal martyrs' deaths. Why? What happened? Their lives were changed because Jesus rose from the dead. Again, I ask you and me, what would it take for you to change absolutely everything about your life? The verse that we read earlier that Liz read for us in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26, Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus says, I will give you life. Though you die, right? You will die. We will die. He says, but you will live forever. Life. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you life. He does mean eternal life. 
He means if you put your faith in Jesus, though you die a physical death, he says you will live forever, reconciled to God, flourishing and thriving. The biblical language is in a new kingdom. The world, the way it should be, far beyond we can even imagine with streets of gold and, and, and where there are no more tears, there's no weeping, there's no suffering, there's no backaches or knee aches. Anyone else here? Amen. No, like everything is the way it should be. But it's not just then, it's now. Life reconciled, reconciled to our Creator reconciled to each other, reconciled to one another, our families, our neighbors, our other countries, reconciled. Jesus says, I'm making all things new. He's reconciling all things. As I mentioned earlier, reconciled to ourselves. How many of us struggle with self-loathing, frustration, we battle not only out there, but in here. Jesus' invitation to every one of us today is come to me and I will give you life. There's new life he's inviting us into today, resurrected life, life that he ushered in the way things ought to be. And again, I believe that Jesus' invitation and his question to each of us is come to me and I will give you life. Do you believe? As we prepare to respond, I want to invite and ask everyone in here to consider that question. What would it take for you to change absolutely everything about your life? If you're not a Christian, you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus. Again, first of all, we're so glad you're here. This isn't a bait and switch deal. This isn't anything like that. However, I believe firmly, as I said, that God is inviting you to come to him and to find life in him, to have your life changed and transformed by who he is and who he says you are and by what he has done in order to pursue you. I'd invite you and encourage you to consider, perhaps even to pray, to surrender your life, to simply come to Jesus and find life in him, the only place it is truly found. And then for others in here, get myself, who are Christians. You are a Christian. You are a follower of Jesus. What aspects of your life are not shaped by Jesus risen from the dead? Where is their fear where is there unreconciliation? Where is there animosity? Where is there brokenness in your life? Where do you um, experience hurt from others and then turn around and hurt others, right? Hurt people, hurt people. But for those who are shaped by the resurrection of Jesus, we are invited to live full life. Jesus says, come to me, and I will give you life. Do you believe? That's his question. Do you believe? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you 
Thank you for good news, the gospel. Good news. Lord, not just good news when the sun is shining and the car is washed and our clothes are perfect and our kids are smiling and clean and, you know, Easter ham is just perfect and whatever else, the eggs didn't melt. And, but but in, our, in our worst moments, in our brokenness, in our suffering, in our sadness, the fact that you rose from the dead defines our lives. If we truly find life in you. So I pray and trust that you are leading us all now to respond appropriately to your good news. Thank you, Jesus, for dying and even more than that, for raising from the dead in order to give us life. In Jesus' name, amen.